The Library by Francis Rosenfeld Twelfth Scene Whatever possessed you to do that? Number six asked Gwen, with an appalled look on his face. The storm clouds had started gathering on the horizon, darkening the sky in the middle of the day to a dusky, stark intensity. Here and there thick ropes of lighting put out a spectacular display, made even more impactful by the contrast with the gloomy background. Do what? Gwen replied, and the puzzled expression on her face confirmed she had absolutely no idea what the fuss was about. You broke it. Gwen looked around and wondered what she could possibly have broken in a landscape which consisted entirely of rubble. I don't understand. You broke it and now it's going to change. We lived here forever and managed to keep here stable and now you show up and in only a few short years everything is upside down. Years? Gwen thought, instantly drenched in cold sweat. I've been here for years. How is that even possible? How indeed? Number six intervened, morose. You do not know how you irritate me with this devastating lack of awareness. Leave her be. Number six. Number four came to her rescue. Don't you want to emerge from this hell? To what? An even worse hell. Number six retorted. Number four might actually have a point. Number one used. This version of awakening is not exactly what we were hoping for when we started the quest. Speak for yourself. Number eight frowned. Everybody stop. Gwen raised her voice above the argument, surprised at her own brazenness. What did I break? Why? Reality, of course. Number six deigned to answer why lol the others rolled their eyes, exasperated. You're all crazy. Gwen had a sudden revelation. You're all crazy and I'm enabling you. I am not crazy. My reality is just different from yours. Don't you dare psychobobble me, young lady. Number three replied, offended. I was reading Lewis Carroll when you were but a glimmer in your father's eye. Well, she thought, at least he didn't serve this to me in ancient Greek. Oh, I'll explain it to you in Greek if you want. You looked at it. Huh? It's uncanny how little polish your education cast on your language skills. Huh? After four years of college, studying literature of all things, what I meant is you gazed upon reality and in the process altered its fabric. Its fabric is not a matter of opinion, Gwen replied, appalled, and certainly not mine. Oh, how I wish that were true. Number six responded, sorrowful. That makes no sense at all. Gwen continued defending herself in this surreal moral indictment, feeling guilty even as she spoke for no logical reason she could muster. If that were the case, the world would have ceased to exist a long time ago. There were literally armies of scientists and philosophers all throughout history who did nothing but snoop behind the surface of reality and spill out its secrets and we're all still here. She paused and looked into the distance at the gloomy cloud which was still pinned to the horizon. It hadn't moved or changed at all since the beginning of the discussion. She noticed, as if it had been frozen in place and time. Wherever here is, you're making my point for me. Number six wrapped up his mournful argument. Some of the grief in his voice made its way into Gwen's psyche and she felt the loss of reality. 
even as she was staring straight at it, at least of the loss of the reality she had been sure of, the reality of college graduations and searching for meaning and having a self and planning for one's future. Once you peek behind the veil to see the inner workings of being, it will not allow you to close it back again. But that made no sense at all. Who was she to do this, when the best minds humanity produced throughout the centuries, all filled with knowledge and wisdom, had struggled with reality and its meaning without putting a single dent in its hard shell? She was nobody, well, at least now, when she had to assume her loved ones had reached the last stage of grief and finally accepted her disappearance from their world. Most of them probably believed she was dead and moved on, and the others held her in their memories in that surreal ageless state our brains reserve for missing persons. If this place was real, and if she'd been here for years, she didn't tage a day, at least as far as she could tell. Another unorthodox thought crossed her mind, preemptively stirring outrage in number six's mind, who could see even more seeds of chaos and doom sprouting, to whisper to her that maybe time passed differently in this place, if it passed at all. Don't flatter yourself. Number one flattened her emerging hubris. All those you thought of did shape reality too. They were just smarter and more educated than you. There is nothing more dangerous than a little knowledge. It's an all-or-nothing pursuit. Knowledge, I'm afraid. I don't even understand what you're talking about. Quen replied, distraught. Once, I saw a bee drown in honey, and I understood. Number three whispered, as if from a very far place only he could inhabit. I fear for you, Gwen. I fear you will lose yourself in this place. You were not ready for it. Nonsense. Number one replied, outraged. Nobody is ready for it. You weren't ready for it. Neither was I. What makes us the deciding authority? We're all fumbling in the dark, each in our own way. Besides, being she's already here. Your argument is utterly illogical, unless you turn back time and alter her plans to exclude her trip to the wilderness. He turned to Gwen with a befuddled look on his face. For the life of me I can't imagine the reasoning behind your exploratory desert walk. Before he continued, this is already a moot point. Now that she's no better or worse than either of us, why don't we start with what is, instead of what should have been, and that would mean what, pray tell. Number three felt slighted. Well, for instance, the whole panic attack was unwarranted, seeing how, since it's four o'clock on Tuesday, it was actually supposed to rain. Number one explained. Nothing changed, other than one's mind getting turned around in one's perception of time. There is a very simple psychiatric explanation for that, you know. How dare you? Number three jumped to his feet with a martial look in his eyes. Everybody calm down, please. Number four restored the peace. Number one is right. It is Tuesday. That comes to prove how you can't see truth anymore through the plethora of interpretations thereof. Besides, when did it become a natural law that it only rains on Tuesdays? Nobody ever said it can only rain on Tuesday. It was just an empirical observation. Maybe it can rain every day. Take that back immediately. Number six insisted, with a tone that put a shiver through the spine. 
I refuse to defer to this superstitious nonsense. We are not altering space-time. We are just seeing it better for the first time. What we see is what's actually there. Not being able to perceive it before didn't make it safer. When you see something that doesn't concur with science, you must revisit the science, not your own observation. We developed senses for a reason. If you see something happen, it's possible. I agree with you, but you still need confirmation from your other senses as well as, ideally, from other people. Speaking of psychiatry, he turned to number one, peeved. What would it take for you to accept something as a real, natural occurrence? Number four got suddenly interested. I just stated it. Gamma rays are real and naturally occurring, number four offered, and not verifiable by sensory perception or social proof. I'd say you'll know if they're there soon enough, number six retorted. But you know this, whatever this is, is here too. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. Just because you don't understand the cause, it doesn't make it any less real. He turned towards Gwen and hit the table with the spoon he was holding in his hand. Wake up, Gwen startled, a little confused about her surroundings because of the sudden awakening, and it took her a moment to get reality back into focus. How could you possibly fall asleep during what, I must say, was a riveting discussion about the nature of reality and the boundaries of consciousness? He looked genuinely offended, so Gwen looked down, embarrassed, trying to make herself inconspicuous. No, really, where are you going to hide in here? Number one asked a rhetorical question. Your lack of true understanding is very sad at this point. Please enlighten us. Number four asked number one to explain himself, eagerly joined by number six, who was still holding a grudge. Number one turned to Gwen. Who are you? And I don't want to hear your vital statistics. Who are you, really? What do you mean? Are you me? Of course I'm not you. Are you sure? How can you be sure? How can you be sure that I'm not you? And they are not you? That all of this is not you? And if I'm you? Where are you going to hide your embarrassment? In her unconscious, number six laughed out loud. He does have a point, although I must confess, that's one of the craziest propositions I heard in a long time. What you're offering is impossible outside the sphere of a metaphysical reality, which I know you don't think exists, and you're employing clever debate techniques to hide the fact you can't seriously believe the merits of the philosophical problem you just laid out. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast.